So if God made us male and female, then that means that gender is binary. We can all change our outward appearance. That, that can be anybody, and you can change the way you look physically, but it doesn't change um, who we are internally. You can take a chair, um, put a chair there, put a sheet over it, and call it a ghost all day, yeah. but it's it. all you did was throw a sheet over it. It's still a chair. It's not a ghost. When I look into the world and I see all these people striving to make their, their bodies and their outward appearance conform to the world or conform to who they think they're supposed to be. It makes me sad. I, I want to just kind of like jump right at the topic because this has just become such a big deal for our culture. I'm going to be 45 years old this year. So Pretty I think you, I got man. you beat by a few years, yep. Brittany, but not too long ago. I mean, 10 years ago, 10, 10 years ago, this this really wasn't a thing like it yeah. is today. That that recently, 20 years ago, it wasn't even the remote possibility that it would be a thing. And, you know, I, I don't want to be one of those sort of old timers that's like wishing things were the way they were when I was young. I don't, I feel like God, you know, is always transforming culture and he's always changing things. That doesn't mean that every transformation we see happen around us is always for the better or of God. There, there are things that we see throughout history that were not good things. We saw the nation of Israel fall into disobedience at times. Uh, certainly not a good thing, not something that God intended. And they, they've dealt with the consequences of walking in disobedience to God in that way. So it, it really begs the question, like, what do we make of all of this? What do we make of what's happening in culture today? So what does the Bible teach about sexuality? I'm actually going to recite a scripture passage for for you. And uh, this is, I, I think this makes it clear and simple personally. What does it say about sexuality? What does it say about gender? I, actually, we could say two scripture passages. And the first one is Genesis one twenty eight, which says that God made them, he made us people in his image, male and female. God created them in Genesis one twenty seven and one twenty eight. So if God made us male and female, then that means that gender is binary. Mm-hmm. It's become a, a slogan today to send her, to say I'm non-binary. You know, people are identifying as all kinds of different things. And, and I know you have something to say about that. Um, but, but gender, I think, is a binary issue. It may make us feel constricted. It may make us feel like, you know, we're confined to a particular set of circumstances and rules. But such is life. And we may want to change that, but it actually, our attempts to change it doesn't make reality something other than it actually is and it has been for thousands of years. In addition, in Genesis 2, it says that God brought the woman to the man, that God created Eve and he brought them together in the first marriage ceremony. So when we talk about sexuality and sex and gender and these kinds of issues, we can see this clear pattern developed in the Bible where God created the world and and the Bible says that it was good. This is before the fall. We experience a fallen world, so we, we mm-hmm. all suffer from this disease called sin. We all have these proclivities to sin in our own ways, whatever that is. But God created the world in a certain way. He created marriage to be one man and one woman. And it's within that context of understanding our identity and who we are in Christ, in understanding the way God made the world, that we can really find true freedom, I think. So in large part, 
when I look into the world and I see all these people striving to make their, their bodies and their outward appearance conform to the world or conform to who they think they're supposed to be, it makes me sad because I feel like they're actually not going to find what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. The scriptures seem to teach something completely different. And so, Brittany, how would you speak to this issue? How would you speak to this issue of what the Bible says about sexuality? Number one, like, you know, do you agree with what I'm saying? Number two, like, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, this is an issue that's very dear to my heart. And I, I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, you know, that's why the Bible tells us to take every thought captive. You know, we're not to be ruled by our thoughts and feelings. How many of us have, have felt rage or angry in a moment? And the Bible says, be angry and sin not. It's acting on that anger. So, you know, say you're angry at someone, you know, and, and, and you kill them. Well, now you've acted on that and there are going to be repercussions for that. So anger is a feeling. We have feelings um, and feelings are okay, but we aren't to act on every single feeling. We're supposed to take every thought captive. Um, I think the Bible does have a lot to say um, on gender, sexuality, identity, and, um, you know, the truth and love go hand in hand. If you love someone, um, you know, you are going to speak truth to them because you care about them. You love them. You want what's best for them. And in the same way, that's what God wants for us. Yeah. Amen. I know that you did an illustration in a series that you did, a, a talk that you did, where you took a, a chair, you set a chair up on stage, because I watched you give your testimony online one time, and, and, and you took a, a sheet, a white sheet, and you put it over top of the chair. Do you want to explain that to, yeah, to um, everyone? So, you know, we can all change our outward appearance. That, that can be anybody, and you can change the way you look physically, but it doesn't change um, who we are internally. Yeah. And um, so it's the same thing as like, you know, uh, we were created male and female. The list ends there. So but if for for people that are, are struggling with that identity and that are confused, um, you know, I, t I did make the illustration of, you know, you can take a chair, um, put a chair there, put a sheet over it and call it a ghost all day. Yeah. But it's it all you did was throw a sheet over it it's still yeah. a ghost or i mean it's still a chair it's not a ghost um, you know because that's what it was created to be it was created to be a chair um, yeah. and so just changing the outward appearance doesn't change the fact that it's still a chair that's to me one of the saddest things about uh this movement today is that it it's teaching people the wrong ideas about identity as a christian we know that our identity isn't ultimately found within ourselves it's actually found outside of ourselves in the person of Christ. We identify with him. Um, the, the whole idea of baptism, immersion, being taken down into the water, and then being brought back up actually symbolizes that we, we are identifying ourselves with mm -hmm. Christ. The old AJ died when he went under the water, and the new AJ emerges, and it's this new identity, this identity where the Bible teaches we're clothing ourselves with Christ. And, and so I, I just, I hate, I hate that message that we have to go as far as to cut ourselves. I, I am reminded of a, of a scripture in the Old Testament too, where a lot of people use this particular scripture to say that you shouldn't get a tattoo. And I, I'm not one of those, but um, it talks about cutting yourself in the Old Testament. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people will use that to say, well, you, you, know, you shouldn't get a tattoo. But, but it, it, that, it, that scripture, in light of a lot of the things people are doing today, brings something completely different to mind. 
And it's the way people are cutting themselves and cutting their bodies right. to try to conform to some other standard. I mean, maybe we call that a religious standard, sort of a neo-religion that's emerged where people are trying to find salvation. They're trying to find freedom by doing this thing, this outward act. If you want to call it a ritual, whatever you want to call it, I'm one that believes everybody's religious. And no matter who you are, even atheists are religious. They just don't realize it. They're worshiping something. They don't realize it. But... But that's that's the the message that I hate, and and maybe you can like kind of shed some light on that, because I would imagine you were going through this process to conform your outward appearance to something you felt like you were on the inside, but apparently that didn't bring you peace. There, you know, I come from divorced parents, um, and so you know, my mom had been married quite a few times. There was you know guys in and out. And uh, I never, she just seemed weak and I never particularly wanted to identify with that. Yeah. Um, and then things happened throughout my life. You know, a guy that I was dating in, um, when, in my like late teens asked Gosh. me to go to coffee. Oh. And so I just had this view of men and it just felt like men weren't safe. Um, and so then the opposite of that was women and women just felt safe, you know, yeah. somebody that knows you, that's emotional, that's, you know, um, all those things. And so the devil really uses that. He uses yeah. other people to plant seeds, put thoughts in your head that aren't your thoughts, um, and kind of just take, you know, and if you don't have somebody speaking against those things in your life, you know, if you don't feel comfortable enough talking to somebody else where you won't feel judged, where they'll help guide you, you know, in the right uh, on the right path, you know, then you kind of get lost in that and, it, and, you know, you allow the, you allow the devil a foothold. And yeah. so, you know, your, your, our thoughts are not our own, you know, he, he can work with just a thought or just an offhanded comment. Hey there, I've got a question for you. Have you subscribed to this channel yet? If not, you need to do it right now and turn on those notifications so that you don't miss any of my content. In addition, you can have access to the full-length, unedited version of this video by going to PastorAJ.com and becoming a channel member for as little as $7 a month. You can partner with Gospel Ministries and help us to continue to produce this kind of content and share the gospel with those who need it. One of the things that I've heard perpetuated is that a transgender person feels that they are someone else on the inside. And so how does it benefit us to actually live the lifestyle that the Bible says, you know? So how, how does it benefit us to not do what the culture is telling us to do there? Well, I would really question, do you really feel like that gender inside? Because I never, I never did. It was more like uh, I didn't fit into like societal norms. So like I was more of like a tomboy. I liked okay. doing boy things. And so it was more like uh, I had a lot of friends who were like, oh, well, you know, that's not normal. Maybe you, maybe you should have been a guy or maybe you should have, you know, well, maybe you weren't made to be a woman, like maybe God made a mistake. And even growing up in church, I don't know, it just seemed logical. Like that sounded, that sounded pretty good to me. I don't know, in my early twenties, they don't know, you know, what, they wouldn't know what that was. It's, it's adults that put that on them. Right, right. Um, so I, I heard Jordan Peterson talking about this. I mean, not necessarily that he's an expert on the transgender issue, but I, I think he was a psychologist or something. And he, he said that, uh, you know, it's 10% of boys have a have feminine characteristics doesn't necessarily mean they're gay or that they should express that part of in in their sexuality you know but you know they just and and vice versa with with females kind of the same thing but i mean and i'm only going off of what i what i hear and probably what all of us hear in the media you're not one which i mean it's surprising to hear you never felt like you were a man trapped in a 
female's body. But just going off the fact that some people do say that, I mean, how would you how would you respond to somebody like, who says that? It's like with anything, it's hi- it's a highly personal thing you know what did that person experience what trauma led them to that in their life you don't just wake up one day and think like oh i'm, I'm a man trapped in a woman's body or vice versa it's it's a slow progression of things that lead you to that yeah um and and it's what happened in their in their life i have so many people that i know that uh, that are lesbians and they either have some sort of sexual trauma um sexual abuse in their past or some kind of you know they come from a broken home where there was no father figure and so they do have skewed views of men i think it's it's a series of things that happens to people i don't think the bible is an outdated book i think it's the living breathing word of god and it's i mean Amen. it's the reason you can read it one day and then the next and get something out of it you've mm-hmm. read the same i've read genesis a million times yeah and i, I get something new out of it every time mm-hmm. and that's the only book that can do that and you know I, proverbs is has so much wisdom and god isn't just giving us these verses because he's some mean dictator that wants us to have no fun at all <laughs> you know he he wants us to have a right, an incredible right. life with the gifts that he's given us and so there's so many so many scriptures and proverbs that that give us wisdom it's because you know when you have sex outside of marriage stds unwanted pregnancies yeah. broken heart um there's so many things that can hurt you and you know god doesn't want that for you but um, that secular study also said 27% of singles have emergency funds compared to 39% for married couples. You know, and Proverbs 22.7 says, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is, is servant to the lender. So it has financial principles in there as well. You know, God wants us to handle our money properly as well. So, you know, we eliminate being slave to a lender, having to, you know, not have money. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. those are definitely, um, that's interesting. Um, it, it seems like, studies, there's often just so much of it is dependent on the spin that people put on them. And Mm -hmm. and I'm sure there's people out there that would take some of those and, you know, probably spin it in their own, in their own way. But, um, obviously there is a benefit to serving God and living a lifestyle of obedience to him. I, I had my own run in with the law when I was, uh, when I was 16 years old, I spent a night in jail and that was where I read the Bible for the first time. And I became a Christian and, for me, even though I was technically raised Catholic and, you know, this isn't a, a slam on anybody or anything like that, I feel like I was sort of raised in a secular environment. I went to public school system, which is becoming increasingly secular. Mm-hmm. And and I hope that if there's parents out there today, you're listening to what I'm saying. The public education system is becoming increasingly secular today. And, and they are, even though there's many godly people in it, I don't think they realize how they are handcuffed from actually teaching people the truth about Jesus and, and the Bible. But, um, but I, I felt like I was disconnected from the life that I now experience in Jesus. So the life that I now experience in Jesus, which is totally different from that lifestyle of just going out and partying with my friends when I was a teenager and getting drunk and doing whatever. And like, it's a totally different life. It's, it's a, it's, I feel truly free. I feel like I know where my eternity eternity mm-hmm. is 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 placed. I know yeah. where I'm headed. I know that Christ is going to raise me from the dead. The joy, the peace, the hope that I have in my heart is it transcends circumstances. You can't say that in another worldview. And you know, I often just see in this movement that is targeting our children today, this hopelessness this twisted version of the truth 
and the hope that I experience in Jesus, and I just want more for them. I want them to know the truth. I want them to understand God. What was that like for you, Brittany? And how is your life in Jesus now better than the lesbian lifestyle, better than the transgender path that you are walking down? Yeah, you know, living in that lifestyle, there's no there's no end. It's just, it's nothing's ever enough. And you're trying to attain something that doesn't exist. You're, you're looking to fill a hole that only Jesus can fill. And so, you know, it's, it's, it goes along with identity. It's the reason that you see, you know, someone that's built their career over 30 years, get let go from their job and they commit suicide or, you know, why a couple gets divorced after their kids move out of the house. It's when we put our identity in anything other than Jesus, you will be disappointed a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's where I found myself. I, I was watching, um, YouTube and I got sucked into the rabbit trail of uh, random videos <laughs> as one does. The YouTube wormhole. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I came across a, a video called 23 minutes in hell by Bill Weiss hmm. and it scared me. Yeah. Um, because I, I had grown up in church, you know, I had, I had walked away from God. I kind of just turned my back on church and, um, religion and, uh, just wanted to you know, do what I wanted to do. I I didn't get the full picture. And so when I watched that video, it like awakened the Holy Spirit back up in me. I mean, it it just awakened something in me um, because I had silenced that voice for so long. But when I watched that video, it's like it came alive in me again and I couldn't sleep because I was so scared that if I were to die, I just didn't know. Yeah, what, what yeah. that meant for me. And, um, you know, you mentioned going to church and you're, you're listening, something's drawing you back. Obviously the Holy spirit is drawing you, but what was your experience with the church? Because again, I, I think what you're saying flies in the face of what some critics would say. But yeah, the, the church that I started going to, it was just a message of, you know, no perfect people allowed. And I just, that was just like mind blowing to me. I'm like, what do you mean? No perfect people allowed perfect people go to church. <laughs> right, I'm, right. I'm allowed here. Like this yeah. is crazy. And so I just felt welcome. And the, the message was never watered down. You know, it was, and, and it's actually funny because they did a panel on, is it okay to, and it, insert the thing here, smoke, get tattoos, be gay, attend a gay wedding, like all these different things. And I remember, I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to get them on this. They're going to, they're going to mess <laughs> okay. this up. You know? So you were actually so looking for wait- something yes. to, okay. Yes, all right. I was waiting for it. And uh, the thing that really stood out to me was right from the very beginning. He was like, you know what, guys, I love the amens. I really do. They're encouraging, but let's not do this this time. We want to make this a safe place. We want yeah. people to feel safe. And sometimes the amens can feel pointed. So mm-hmm. let's not do that. And I was like, this pastor really actually does care. Right, right. And at first, the you know, I listened to the whole thing and I was like, mm, I don't agree with that. I didn't agree with what he was saying because I, I just wasn't to that place yet. Yeah, you know? yeah, I get it. Um, but but what was different for me was him saying that in the beginning. I just thought, wow, here's a pastor who, at first, I might not agree with what he's saying, but I like the way he's doing it. He yeah. does care. So that that's what made it different for yeah, me. I love it. Well, I think that is a great segue into episode two, which is going to be all about how do we, as a church community, reach out in love. So we've now talked about the truth. What does the Bible say? And uh, in part two, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about love, loving one another. I think uh, it's, it's tremendous, Brittany, that you got to see that the love. I, I mean, maybe it was the love of Christ that drew you uh, in that way and helped to change your mind, help you to you know see the truth. So, Don, I'm going to put you on the hot seat right now to ask mm-hmm. you to pray. Okay. Well, I ask everybody to close their eyes and you say to yourself, "Please, I'm a sinner. Accept me. Forgive my sins. You came down here." 
You died for us. You gave yourself as a living sacrifice. And on the third day, you rose from the dead. And after that, you ascended into heaven and you seated at the right hand of the Father. If you believe that, say, Lord, come into my heart. Free me from these sins of my life. Help me to live more for you. Help me to grow closer to you. Give me a way, Lord, through your word. Show me what to do. Lead me to a church. Help me to be one with you, Lord God, that I can be with you someday in heaven. Please, I ask that you save me. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name I pray. Amen.